Well, good morning. morning. Lovely to see you all. So uh, this is a lovely experience in in many ways. Standing up here is always a privilege. Um, But I'm actually here two weeks after I was last here, which is uh, shock horror, a first in my world. Um, So uh, so yeah. Um, and, And I've been holding this word for about um, at least six months, possibly the rest of my life. But it it is something that is very deep within me. Um, And uh, always when there's so much and you don't get to to share very often, my experience has been you just try and get too much out and it all becomes a blur. So two weeks ago, I was talking about holding on to God and uh, using this story of the the delightful character of Jacob, who then became Israel. And just his experience as he, as he was returning back to the land of promise, returning back with many, many wives, children, donkeys, camels, you name it, he had it. But then that vulnerable place he found himself in where he suddenly heard that Esau, the brother he cheated, was coming to him with 400 armed men. And so he sent his wives, children, all the animals away ahead of him. And he was there alone in the middle of the night and he wrestled with a man all night. And what was struck me about the story when, when I spoke two weeks ago was he'd done everything right. He'd used all his skills, he'd used all his natural abilities, God had blessed him, you know, he'd been a, a good dad, he'd raised all these kids. He then comes to this place and he prayed a great prayer. And yet still he found himself just at this point where what else do I have to do? What else could it be? And, and as we talked about holding on to God, what I love about that man is he held on with a purpose. He held on thinking, I am not going to quit. His choice was to keep going. And he said to the man who was wrestling with me, I will not let go until you bless me. And he had that expectation of goodness. So today we're going to talk about hope. And, uh, and just unpack this a bit more. What does it mean to have that expectation of the goodness of God? So, because I think you can look at that holding on as a bit like, the gritting your teeth and the skin of your fingernails and just sort of holding on to grim death, just anything but that precipitous fall. God's got so much more for us than just hanging on for grim death. It is such a, a, a blessing that God has for us. And I think um, hope is, I, I love the name of our church. It's truly inspired. Um, well done, Andy, and whoever else was, was part of that. Um, but we, we are in a world that lacks hope. We are in a world that has hopelessness is the dominant. And the more you see about politics and news and politicians and you know, bankers and everything else, it can cause hopelessness to arise. But we have a challenge how we live in an atmosphere of hope. And so that's what we're going to look at. Um, so what is hope? Um, so yes, so I'm going to look at what is hope about how central hope is, how significant hope is. And how do you measure how much hope, what I'm calling a hopeometer? So we're going to look at our hopeometer and see how we're doing. So what is hope? Hope is the confident expectation that goodness is coming in your life. And I believe this is based on the nature of God, that God is hope and God is good. Um, so shall I read that again? Hope is the confident expectation that goodness is coming in your life based on the nature of God that God is hope and God is good. Bible, uh, the dictionaries use sort of similar bit without the encouraging God bit, um, that hope is a feeling or belief that something that you want is likely to happen. 
That's the noun, it's also a verb, a doing word. Um, it is to desire with expectation. It's that looking forward to, to have hope. And I re really believe that hope is, is a robust word. It's not that wishy-washy, ooh, I hope so. And, and hope seems to have become diminished as to this sort of slightly airy-fairy, not really that great a thing. But hope is so much more than just, well, I hope it does, but probably knowing my luck, it probably won't. Um, it really is a robust, a robust word. Hope is central largely because it is the very nature of God. My favorite verse, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Um, yes, no, it is. My favorite verse is Romans 15, 13. And uh, if you're going to learn one verse from Scripture, you need to learn Romans 15, verse, um, chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is such a good verse. We're going to keep coming back to that verse. But the start off there, I don't know if David's getting it up. Um, may the God of hope, and my first contention is that hope is the very nature of God, and we have the nature of God. So hope is central to us because we are now in God, and the hope, God of hope means that hope is part of us. This isn't something that we have to conjure up. You may feel you don't have much of it. You may feel it's just a little bit. Um, but you, you have hope. Hope is part of God's nature in you. So hope's central because it's the nature of God. It's also significant. And that is because hope is the basis of faith. Another great verse is Hebrews 11, verse 1. And the whole Hebrews 11 chapter is largely talking about faith. But here it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And as I've looked, faith, we, we talk so easily about faith very often. I needed to move this microphone or something. Is it, um, getting too excited, clearly. Um, so uh, we, we talk about faith, but the basis of faith is hope. That hope is where faith starts from. You hope for, and as you hold that hope, and as you keep pressing into God for it, it grows from this expectation to a solid, confident conviction. And so we mustn't dismiss the significance of hope, that hope is where faith grows from. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's the Hebrews one. Sorry, David. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love, these three abide, or these three remain, but the greatest of these is love. Now, you could say, well, love's the greatest, but hope's in the top three, and uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think they're actually almost like a trinity of virtues, that how can you divide up if, if faith comes out of hope, and we have hope because of God's love for us? These three are so intertwined, and really, my point about the significance of hope is it is so much part of God's heritage for us, God's provision for us, that I think we must, we neglect hope at our peril. It is something so vital that we grasp the significance of hope. Another verse, just to bash this message home, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
So I'm reading from the English Standard Version, that's the New International Version. So just emphasizing there that there's a breastplate, what covers our heart, what protects our vital organs is love and hope, but love and faith. Um, and, and it's important that our vital organs are protected by that, because what attacks us are very often the, the spears, the, the arrows that would come against us, those fiery darts of the enemy. And we need that breastplate covering our heart that really will stop these attacks. But helmet is what protects your brain. And the hope of salvation is that thing that covers our brain, our thinking, and our thought life can really come under attack and hopelessness can really be very damaging to our thinking. So hope of salvation protects that. Our brain, our mind, it also is our will and our decision making, the choices that we make. And what choices do you make based on hope or based on fear? And it's very important that we keep hope as so central and so significant in us that we don't let any, anything get in without this atmosphere of hope being, being there. Another verse, Psalm 27, verse 13. Just emphasizing how important it is that we, we think well in an atmosphere of hope. I would have despaired unless I'd believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is the definition of hope, isn't it? You know, so we believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And just, you know, it could have stopped at the goodness of the Lord, couldn't it? You know, and that could leave us to a bit of future, oh, well, one day maybe, or oh, when we all get to heaven, we'll see God's goodness there. No, in the land of the living, God's goodness, God is good, and his goodness is heading our way. Whether you see it, whether you understand it, whether it's actually your experience right now is not the issue. It is coming our way, and that is the confidence that we have. So I've looked at what is hope, and that is the confident expectation of the goodness of God coming your way based on God's nature, that hope is central, that it is where faith grows from, that it's significant, that it's part of the nature of God, it's there linked faith, hope, and love, and that it is um, a helmet protecting our thinking. So, hopeometer, how do you measure, how do you know whether you've got hope or not? I'm going to read a quote from um, an author, Francis Frangipani, and he wrote this book, The Three Battlegrounds. Um, it's, a, it's a great book. Um, and there's uh, a quote here. Here we go. So, if you want to identify the hidden strongholds in your life, you need only survey the attitudes of your heart. Every area of your think and thinking that glistens with hope in God is an area which is being liberated by Christ. But any system of thinking that does not have hope, which feels hopeless, is a stronghold which must be pulled down. So that's quite a, uh, quite a, a, quite a quote there, isn't it, really? Um, and one of, there are many good things in there, but one of those things is the word glistens. How fab is that word? You know, it could have used any word, but glistens with hope. And I don't know if you think of these words. There's a, a, few, a few words. Um, but uh, glistens just has that sort of soaked so much that there's droplets on the outside and it's sparkling. It's not like a bit of a smear or a bit of a smudge or perhaps there's some hope in there somewhere that is glistening. It's actually just exuding hope. So really 
you know, for recording and what I want. I just love this title of this, uh, this morning, to be glistens with hope, that we, we have that looking, um, you know, what is, is an air of our life glistening with hope? And please, please, please hear what I'm saying. This is no condemnation. This is a provocation. This is an area where God is pulling us forward, pulling us on. There is so much more that God has for us. This is not a check yourself out of 10 and slap yourself about the head if you're not doing very well. This is a God has so much more for us. And so all of these, you know, checking ourselves, it's not to, you know, measure ourselves and see how badly we're doing. Um, but the other thing that I love from this quote is that if we are glistening with hope, then it's an area being liberated by Christ. And freedom is one of our values. Freedom is one of the things that we really believe God's calling us to promote and uphold as part of his kingdom. And it is for freedom that Christ set us free. So how hopeful you feel is an indication of how much freedom you're living in. And I hope the hope that you have is a measure of how free you are in an area of your life. And I think it's really good that we, we see this, again, just saying hope is so essential. And it's really good just to have this, you know, check up. So just how do you measure yourself? How do you see in an area of your thinking? Is it glistening with hope? Well, I think it's a good habit just to be aware of yourself. Examine your emotions. What is it that triggers your anxieties? What is it that sets you worrying and, and wondering? And so your anxiety level can be quite a key to whether you're glistening with hope. Are the things that you avoid, because we're all pretty smart, and most of us, you know, we've lived long enough to know that if I go there, that's going to set me off, you know. So best is, I'm just not going to go there. And I was trying to think of an example from my own life, and the only one I could think of was a trivial football. You know, it's actually a long time since anyone's asked me to, to play football with them. Um, <laughs> I used to hate the thought of it. My eyesight's awful, my feet don't know which way to go. There was one scarred childhood memory where, you know when in a football pitch, no one bothers coming near you because you've got so much room around you, and the ball's at your feet, and all you have to do is just kick it to a you know, playmate up the field. I took three goes at kicking this ball. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was the last on every team, you know. So, so no, I just learned to avoid that. I'd just somehow be busy, or I'd somehow, you know, and it's a trivial example, but there are these things in all of our lives where, you know, someone suggests that we do something, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is in life, um, but we've found ways of avoiding that, ways of just, sometimes we do that so well, we don't even know that we're doing it. We have an instant internal, you know, switch off, you know, no, no, I don't do that no, 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 that, that's not me. And you don't even, you're not even aware that you've done that thinking. So I'm thinking of perhaps, you know, church examples. So when it's, you know, come for prayer, you know, oh, no, no, I don't go forth for prayer. Or I don't pray for people. Or no, I don't go out on the street and, and tell people. You know, there are lots and lots of things in life, and it's not just the, the, the church examples, if you like. There are some things that we just instantly avoid. We become very defensive or, or avoidant about and so just examine yourself. Is that because of an area of hopelessness? Or do you have an expectation of the goodness of God that actually God can use you, God can work through you, and God can actually change you? So as well as examining yourself, you can ask God. So another verse, um, Psalm 139, verse 23. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hurtful way in me. It's actually quite a dangerous thing to ask God, isn't it? Um, that uh, he will, if you really mean that. You know, you say, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way. That's literally any way of pain. And very often it is pain that can change our thinking. It's pain that can be behind some of our hopelessness. It's pain that can cause us to avoid, I'm not going to go there, that football memory is just too painful, or, or whatever it is, you know, I'm just not going to go there. So there's a pain that's now changed our way. There's a pain that's caused us to avoid. But when we ask Holy Spirit, he doesn't just highlight it and then leave us, you know, to wallow. Holy God is so good at saying, it's time we put this right. It's time we, we got this sorted. I'm not sure quite what that means in the football context, but uh, <laughs> I'll get trained again. <laughs> <laughs> Every second Tuesday. Okay, thanks, Simon. Um, so there you go. It's great to see my sons. Uh, they've uh, surpassed me in the football realms. So I'm um, just looking at how do you measure hope. And I want to come back to my favorite verse, Romans 15, 13. And there's so much in here. As I've said, may the God of hope, hope is part of God's nature. And because we are new creations, we have his nature. Hope is now part of us. It's not something that we have to conjure up. Maybe something that God wants to grow and develop and to see if there are you know, avoidant things that have caused us to, to deflect it. But may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. Joy and peace as you trust in him. And, and these qualities, there's something about hope is, it can be, oh yeah, yeah, I hope so. But actually, godly hope, the hope of heaven, is full of joy and peace. And so you can look at your life and it does not look like stress. It does not look like must try harder, must do better. It is joy and peace. And so that's another way of just examining yourself. When you think about something, are your internal world characterized by joy and peace? How much hope do you have in there? That we may abound in hope. What another fab word. Um, <laughs> These, uh, oh, sorry, I should have not put that up, actually. Overflow with hope. I think abounding is, is a better word. That we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what encouraged me so much with this verse, we went through a difficult situation, good number, many, many years ago now, 12 plus years maybe. Um, and this, this verse sustained us through a very difficult season. And what God spoke to me perhaps more than anything, was that we abound or overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is supernatural activity. This is just emphasizing that if you don't feel much hope in an area, there is no condemnation. This is an area where we go to God and we look to God for do, to do what only God can do. But it is a supernatural activity, and it is something that God will do. So just like you can ask wisdom if you feel you're lacking wisdom, you can ask for hope if you feel that you're lacking hope. Something to seek God for and to keep coming back to God until you find it. So really just to emphasize um, my contention here that hope is so significant. Hope is central to the nature of God. Hope is significant in being a place that faith grows from. It's also something that 
this hurting world needs more than anything else, just the hope that something different is possible. And sometimes when you're talking to people, you know, it, you've got to build an expectation of hope. And I read last week the, the verses from James 1 verse 2, count it all joy, brothers, um, when you face trials because you know that trials produce. Um, and I warned of the danger of coming in without quite getting the connection that uh, that can, that count it all joy, can just be not where someone's at and you've got to be very smart in, in talking to others. But you can share your experience, you can live hopefully, you can just be that person who exudes that attitude that whatever the situation, my expectation is that the goodness of God that will come around us, that this is heaven's atmosphere. And just as I'm finishing here, just going back to Psalm 27, verse 13, as I said, said, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, unless I had hope. Verse 14 continues, so wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And whenever you see anything in scripture that's repeated, God's trying to really get our attention. This is very important. Wait for the Lord. Hold on in that place. So just as Jacob did with the man he wrestled all night, he held on until the daybreak. He held on until the man blessed him. And just that waiting for the Lord, there is so much that comes our way that's a mystery, so much that we'd love to understand. We'd love to work it out. We'd love to, okay, God, I know it's you. Just, just tell me what's going to happen. But the wait for the Lord is that place of holding on, holding on with expectation, expectation of the goodness of God, Holding on in the, in the face of mystery, I really genuinely have no idea why this is happening, but I'm not going to give in on believing that you are good and goodness is coming my way. So we wait and recognizing that not having hope actually is not the problem. Not having hope and realizing that and not going to God with it, that's the problem. So it's really important that we see where we are is not a problem. What we do with that is where we have the benefit and the blessing. And that's where we have all that God has for us released to us. So my plea to you is let's be ruthless in rooting out hopelessness. Let us not allow hopelessness any place in our lives. As soon as you become aware of it, let's stand together. Let's call on God together. Let's get into that secret place. Let's fight until we see the God of hope bring so much hope into our lives that we then become a source of hope to this world around us. Amen. So I'd just like to pray um, for us, and then I'd like to, if that's triggered anything for you, if that's caused you to, to suddenly feel a pang, um, God is so good, and I would love to pray with you and to stand with you. And uh, Simon's going to just finish the the meeting off, but we'll just have an opportunity at the end. But I'd just like to pray for us, if that's okay. God, you are so good. Goodness is part of your nature. Hope is part of your nature. Love is your nature. And we are the grateful recipients. God, would you grow our determination to pull on you, to draw from you, to be ruthless in rooting out everything that does not belong to you. And where we see a lack, would you supply where we know that we are not as full of hope as your word says is available, that God, would you do all that we need? Would you pour in and supply? 
wherever there is lack. And God, let there be such a, an outbreak of hope from this place into this world around that this kingdom truly takes over the kingdom of darkness and becomes a kingdom of light. In Jesus' name, amen.